2: We got loaded lines. I imagine we're going to have loaded lines throughout all three hours of this program. Again, as I told you, uh, we are going to have Dr. David Chow on with us in hour number three, former team physician for at the time the San Diego Chargers, to discuss all of this case. Uh, but we effectively are having a what I would call an outkick town hall, where we're going to keep the phone lines open. Dub is going to be uh, fielding them, and we will try to answer all of your questions about the uh, intersection of sports and the coronavirus in a rational, reasonable, hopefully, occasionally somewhat funny, never know what callers are going to say, process. But the First Amendment, as uh, Mike Slive, the SEC commissioner, used to say, always alive and well on this show, and we are opening it up for all 50 states. You can call in. You can ask any question. If uh, you are out there today and you are looking for a reasonable, fact-based real analysis of sports and the coronavirus intersecting. My goal is to be the best place by far that you will hear discuss this anywhere in the world of sports. Now, it has been a chaotic and wild 24 hours and I understand that very often emotion gets the better of facts and that's why I'm trying to take a little bit of a uh, less um, histrionic approach than you typically see on social media and sometimes This upsets people, right? Because they want everybody to be running around screaming, the world is on fire, the world is on fire, and I'm here to tell you we're going to be okay. We are going to beat the coronavirus. It may take six weeks. It may take eight weeks. It may take into the summer before we do so, but I am very confident that we will do so. Now, I wanted to run through some of the wildness that took place yesterday yesterday Uh, in terms of all of the different outcomes. And in particular, last night, if you were on social media, how insane it got starting about 3 o'clock Eastern. Here are some of the things that happened, any one of which would ordinarily be a number one story in the world of sports standing alone. Uh, The Ohio governor confirms that NCAA games in Ohio, including the ones that start on Tuesday and Wednesday, will be without fans. That was at 2 45 PM Eastern. At 3 Eastern, the Ivy League cancels all spring sporting events. At 415, the NCAA officially announces that the sorry 430, the NCAA officially announces that the NCAA tournament will be played without fans. At uh at I'm just going to keep going through. I mean, I'm reading all this as I go through. Uh, The Big Ten at 638 Eastern closes all sporting events, including the men's basketball tournament, to fans. At 640, the Big 12 limits the men's basketball tournament to teams, uh, including 125 tickets uh, for each team and no cheerleaders. Um, The ACC at 758 closes its men's basketball tournament to fans and uh, uh, at eight o'clock the Nevada uh, sorry the Jazz 840 Eastern the Jazz Thunder game is postponed at 853 the Pac-12 closes its men's basketball tournament in Vegas to fans at nine o'clock Eastern President Trump begins to speak to the nation and at 904 he announces a Europe travel ban. At 9.06, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson say they tested positive for the coronavirus in Australia. At 9.11, the Southeastern Conference closes men's basketball tournament to fans. At 9.27, it is reported that Rudy Gobert uh, tests positive for coronavirus. Four minutes later, at 9.31 Eastern Time, the NBA suspends its season. Then, late last night, and some of you might not even have heard about this story, Nebraska head coach Fred Hoiberg is taken to the hospital after after having major health concerns. The positive is this: he was tested for everything and he just has a bad cold, I believe, was the result. Uh, at 10.44, the Big East closes uh, the their basketball tournament to fans and uh, this is where we are right now as I just ran through for you an absolute frenzy of news. Wherever you are around the country or around the world, if you are a sports fan, you just witnessed one of the most jaw-droppingly overwhelming 12 hours in the history of sports. Literally a series of events without precedent in our nation's history for pretty much anyone who is alive today. So it's no wonder that people feel whiplash, that many of you are uncomfortable, that the pinprick of fear has broken out in the back of your mind. It's totally normal. It's totally rational human behavior. What I'm trying to do is help everyone process all of those informational facts that I just hit you with, with real facts about the coronavirus and the intersection of sports, so that panic and fear don't come to overwhelm our national discourse for both the coronavirus and its intersection of the world of sports, okay? Uh, So, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Many of the facts that I am talking about I have shared publicly uh, over the last 12 hours or so. You can track down where I am getting the information that I am sharing. You can go see it for yourself, okay? And we will begin the portion of this show, the town hall, where we start to take calls. Open up to everybody. First Amendment is alive and well. Uh, all over the nation as you hear people be able to speak and hang up that's when you can call in dub is going to be fielding calls again if you can't get through it's because a lot of people want to talk a lot of people want to interact the outkick audience shaken but not beaten who's up first dub
4: all right we got joe in mississippi
2: joe what do you want to know
5: Hey, good morning, Clay. Congrats uh, on being the voice of reason here uh, for us uh, in the sports world. Um, I'm actually an emergency physician. Uh, I'm actually an uh, internal medicine trained physician. Um, I live in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I've had a lot of discussions with my colleagues. Um, you know, we've been seeing in the emergency departments um, a lot of people who have you know, flu-like illnesses, and then we'll test them for flu and they'll come back negative. And we just assume that, you know, well, this was a a cold or uh, maybe they've just, you know, the test wasn't uh, what we call a, a, you know, a a false negative. In other words, they really did have the flu uh, and the test was negative. But uh, it certainly could be that we've had coronavirus, you know, in the United States for, you know, two to three weeks now, at least. Yes. Um, I've joked, that, you know that maybe I've got it you know so so it, it could be that you know this is a little bit of a uh, you know I mean it's not a nothing burger but it's something that uh, uh, you know we've already experienced a large a large brunt of we just haven't tested people on a widespread basis that's why our numbers are low
2: yeah and I'm glad you stick with us here for a sec uh, as a doctor a lot of people are going sure. to respond to that when I share the official test numbers and they're going to say well we haven't tested enough people it's actually much more widespread And there's actually a positive and a negative associated with that that I want to share with people and then get your take on this. If we haven't tested everybody for it, it means that it could be very much more prevalent, but that's actually in some ways a positive for this reason because it means it is less deadly than many people would believe because you're talking about being in the hospital. If people come in and are near death, you're not going to turn them away even if you don't know what's causing that, right? So, if people are right. are not in the hospital and they have the coronavirus, that's a positive. The negative is that so many people, uh, well over 80% of people, have such minor symptoms that they might go to work and continue to spread this, right? So the positive is the more prevalent it is, the less deadly the numbers are, the more akin to the flu it actually is. The negative, that's why it's spreading because people are out and about uh, and they don't realize they have this disease. Right.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely correct,
2: yes. Uh, Well, thank you for the call. Keep yourself safe. Uh, Thanks for listening to OutKick. Uh, It's an early call, good one, Uh, going straight to a a physician to begin uh, the day. Let's go to the next one, Dub. Who's up?
4: All right, we got Jeff in Indiana.
2: Jeff, what you got for me?
4: Hey, good morning, y'all.
2: Yeah, thanks. Just saying,
4: you pointed
6: out uh, the age criticality, criticality and uh, it's uh, when it comes to the death toll. Yes, you don't want it anywhere, but it's more of the elderly
0: yes.
2: that
6: are coming to this. And also, when they have all these uh, sports suspended or canceled, it's not just because uh, the players want to be uh, protected, but the uh, all the owners and uh, they want to protect the fans from exposing one another while they're in the stands. And I think that needs to be pointed out.
2: Thanks for the call. Yeah, the reason why they're why they are suspending sporting events is for the larger the crowd, the more uh, easily it is for a virus like this to spread. You just heard me say over 80% of people are not even aware that they have the coronavirus. And Rudy Gobert is a good example. He happens to be an an athlete, but he didn't know that he had the coronavirus, and so he was unwittingly exposing many other people to his illness. He just thought he had the cold, the flu, whatever it was, because he didn't feel debilitated. And I think a lot of people out there think, oh my God, if I get the coronavirus, I will know it. I will feel awful. I won't be able to get out of bed. That's not the truth at all for the vast majority of people. Now, there's a good point here. Age, it's not impacting everybody similarly. The older you are and or the more infirm your immune system is, the more in danger you are from the coronavirus. Uh, it is mostly the elderly and the already sick who are experiencing extreme difficulties from the coronavirus. There are right now 38 deaths from the coronavirus in the entire United States. I believe the majority of them are from Washington State and the, uh, the nursing home that the virus got into where really this outbreak began. Um, and remember... This thing was circulating for a while before people were tested and realized they had it in Washington State. The two biggest outbreaks that seem to have occurred so far, Washington State and also in uh, in the state of New York. All right, Dub, who's up next?
4: David in Portland.
2: David, what you got for me?
1: I've got a lot of real information and I'm asking you not to rush to judgment. First of all, people on... Radio shows and media say we're all panicking when we're not. We need to be responsible, not putting our heads in our sands. I'm looking at the numbers from the Japanese uh, uh, health site, which I have more reliable data. I'm looking at China, which has 80,000 cases now and 3,000 deaths. That's a 4% death rate, 80 times the flu. I'm looking at Italy, which has now
4: 7,000 cases. Let me
2: stop you here. Okay. Let me stop deaths. you. Let me stop you. China did not know what they were treating when they began. If you look at the death rate in China, it has gone from very high to less than 1% as they have realized what they are treating. The best country to use, in my opinion, for the data right now is South Korea. South Korea is the most technologically advanced and the most sophisticated in their response to the coronavirus so far. What they have done is 993 to 99.4% of all people who are infected, which is a tiny minority of their overall population, regardless of age, are fine. They are recovering. Got to go to break. I'm Clay Travis. but I'm trying to do something radical. I'm trying to be reasonable in the midst of a frenzy is the coronavirus intersects with the world of sports and uh, yesterday was one of the wildest days in the history of our country. I believe we will be talking about this day 50 years from now, 100 years from now. There will be books written about the craziness that happened yesterday in the world of sports as it pertains to the coronavirus. Just hitting you with a few of the headlines that happened yesterday. Um, We had the NCAA announce that there were going to be no fans present for the NCAA tournament, which was a bombshell that landed at 4.30 Eastern. Then we had uh, every different conference tournament slowly start to announce that they were not going to allow fans, Big East, ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, probably a lot of you out there listening right now even had plans like I did to be going to games today. I was going to take my kids and go watch the SEC tournament in my hometown of Nashville. Uh, That obviously not a possibility anymore. President of the United States addresses uh, the country at... 9 o'clock Eastern announces that we are banning all arrivals from Europe starting on Friday uh, with the exception of the United Kingdom. Uh, while the president is speaking, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, the actress, actor and his wife, uh, announced that they have tested positive for the coronavirus in Australia. Australia At 9.27, uh, Rudy Gobert uh, reports Uh, It comes out that he has tested positive for the coronavirus. Four minutes later, the NBA suspends its season, uh, and I believe we are likely headed towards a uh, suspension of many different leagues around this entire country. Maybe the NHL, maybe Major League Baseball spring training. Uh, Possibly we'll see what happens with the PGA, with the Players' uh, Championship, given how big Uh, Those crowds are down in Florida with that set to take place this weekend. Uh, It it is going to be, I think, the NCAA tournament, whether it's going to be played or not, very much up in the air. We frankly are in times without precedent, both in the world of sports and in our country at large. With all of that unbelievable uh, situation going on, There is a natural inclination, I think, for many people out there to feel a sense of whiplash, to feel overwhelmed, and to be terrified, to be fearful. That is natural. There's nothing wrong with being fearful. I tend to, when I experience fear, go, uh, my mechanism to deal with fear is to examine all the underlying facts and become more aware of of the situation as a whole so that I feel as if I at least know what I am dealing with. That's the way I process fear. And I've processed fear like this my entire life since I was a young kid. Uh, I was a fearful kid, right? Afraid of everything. And as I got older, my grandmother set me down. I think this is good advice in general. My grandmother set me down and she gave me a piece of advice that I have followed for my entire life. She said she was also really fearful, always worried about things happening that were bad. And she said she got what she called her worry book. And when she was young, she started doing it. And she said everything that she worried about, she wrote down. Things that she was afraid might happen. And What she found was that most of the time, the things that you are worried about don't end up happening. If you chronicle all of your worries, and you write them down, and you have the ability to go back and read them and look through them, what she said, and I have found this to be true in my own life, what she said was most of the time the things that you worry about don't end up happening. Ironically enough, it's the things that you don't worry about that end up being oftentimes bad things that happen to you and those that you love. But most of the time that we spend worrying is unproductive because the things that we worry about, by and large, don't end up happening. So with that in mind, I dove into, and if you listen to this program, maybe you never listened to it before, but with that in mind, I dove into the coronavirus about 10 days ago in a very substantial fashion. I treated it like I'm a lawyer and I want to know all the facts because I consider my responsibility in talking to all 50 states and to people around this country and around the world to be incredibly high to make sure that I get all my facts right. You may not agree, and I say this all the time on the program, we got a lot of new people listening, you may not agree with my opinions but what I try to do is make sure that everything that I base my opinion on is rooted in legitimate incontrovertible fact okay so these are incontrovertible facts as we speak this moment a little bit after 7 a.m this morning on the east coast right now in the United States there are and I'm hitting refresh so I can give you the exact most recent info on the coronavirus. Uh, Right now, there are 1,336 confirmed cases of the coronavirus in the United States. There are 38 people who have died of the coronavirus in the United States. And of the 1,336 cases, 1,283 of them are presently active. And there are 10 people 10 people in the entire United States who are in serious or critical condition from the coronavirus. 10. You can count them on two hands right now. That is where we are. I, we have an open forum. We have one guest today, and it's Dr. David Chow, who joins us every single Thursday. Good day for him to be here with us. He is going to join us in hour three. Everything else that we are doing is opening up the phone lines. As you hear one person drop off, you can hop in. Let me go ahead and bring in the crew quickly, 877-996-6369. Do you guys have any questions based on everything that's gone on in the last 24 hours? Danny G.
0: Well, I guess I'm wondering which way you think things are going to lean. Is the tourney going to go NBA and just suspend or will they continue to, say, just play the games without fans in attendance?
2: Well, we talked about this, and, and, and we talked about it on the show. The challenge for the leagues is what happens when a player becomes ill. So I think the NCAA tournament, a big challenge they're going to have is what if the tournament starts and they have their own Rudy, Rudy Gobert-like situation? Uh, I don't know exactly what the response would be, Um But I find it hard to believe that you could continue a tournament once a player or coach tests positive for the coronavirus because anybody that guy played against would also have to quarantine himself. If I am uh, involved in the NCAA, I allow – I know it's it's hard to be calm in times of incredible tempest, but I sit back and wait through the rest of this weekend – see how things advance or don't advance on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, and determine on Sunday when we come out with our brackets. Uh, That's kind of drop dead date for me on when you have to make a decision about whether or not things are going to happen because as soon as the brackets come out, uh, then the teams start getting ready. One possibility is they say, we're not going to have the NCAA tournament in March. We plan to do this, but we're going to wait until things calm down in the country and maybe they do the NCAA tournament in May or in June uh, as we move into the summer months and hopefully we have been able to vanquish uh, the coronavirus. That would be probably my expectation. I don't know that that's true. We don't know. Again, the NBA has suspended uh, all games. We don't know how long that suspension is going to last. We do know that China appears to have come through most of the worst of its event uh, and uh, is starting to re-engage with society at large. I told you uh, about the United States. Right now China, which has had 80,000 cases of the coronavirus, which is 80 times essentially as many as we have had, they have only 18 new cases in their country. So uh, so 18 new cases, in their country they have effectively stopped the spread of the coronavirus in China and now they're going to move back into having their sports take place I'd like to believe and do believe that we will do the same in the United States but I think forecasting exactly how long that will take uh is going to require uh substantial uh substantial extrapolation which frankly I don't have the ability to do but China has come through the worst of it Dub do you have any questions
4: well, yeah, I, I was just looking through that same website where you're getting all your information from. And I and tweeted that out,
2: by the way. If you're interested out there you know, and you want to see this information for yourself, everything that I am sharing, I'm trying to put out there so that you all can go see it yourself. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Go look at what I have shared. I encourage you not to read the mentions because Twitter is an emotional place and there are so many people that are losing their minds uh, based on uh, based on the situation, which is somewhat understandable in the last 24 hours. So sorry to cut you off, though. But some people are going to want to know, hey, I want to see this for myself. Where can I find it? Go to my Twitter feed at Clay Travis. I'm trying to share the links and information upon which I am basing my analysis.
4: Yeah, and I was just looking through, you know, some of the countries, the USA included in that. And there's such a big discrepancy between the critical or serious uh, active cases. Like in the United States, like you just mentioned, there's one percent of the active cases are serious or critical. In South Korea, that number's one percent. In Iran, it's zero percent. But in Italy, it's ten percent. In France, it's five percent. I was just wondering, you know, what do you think could be behind those numbers? Is it just like a general uh, health thing with people? Yeah, it's a great question. Right,
2: yeah. Right now, there is a large spectrum of potential outcomes. And I don't want to go full sports analogy on you, but, I mean, we're in the first quarter of a game, right? And in the first quarter of a game, if you look at win probability, it can vary widely. I would say there are two spectrums of where we are in the globe right now. South Korea appears to have handled this outbreak about as perfect as a country can handle an outbreak. They still have had about seven times as many cases as us, But they have been able to effectively beat the coronavirus. I believe that what we should be doing as a country is learning from what South Korea did and trying to implement as many of the things that South Korea did as we can. And obviously, we are a much larger geographic country than they are, right? The negative side that's the positive side. South Korea has completely beaten this virus, it appears. 99.3 or 99.4 percent of everybody who is infected in South Korea, regardless of age, is 100 percent. I mean, has been uh, has been beating the virus, right? 0.6 or 0.7 percent death rate, even for people over the age of 80 that are getting this, and so they have done incredibly well. Italy is on the opposite side of the spectrum. And a question that you're asking, which is a good one, Dub, and I can give you hypotheses, but we don't know for sure, why has Italy had such a bad response compared to South Korea? Some hypotheses. Italy is much older. One of the oldest countries in the world is Italy on average. And so they have more elderly people, and the coronavirus impacts the elderly Much more than it does the young. Again, no children under the age of 10 worldwide have died. All right. So Italy has one of the oldest populations on the globe. Now, Japan is actually the oldest country in uh, the world. And somehow they appear to have come through this uh, coronavirus really well, also. So I can't explain why Japan, which has the oldest population, and Italy, which has one of the oldest populations, why there is such a discrepancy of, uh, of outcome there. Uh, the other things that I would factor in, Italy has a massive tourism uh, trade. It's possible that because of so much uh, of this virus breaking out, they happen to have outbreaks in regions that were particularly susceptible to growth and in multiple times, uh, multiple places at the same point. Um, there are large numbers of smokers Data reflects that if your lungs are in any way damaged, you are more likely to have significant issues with the coronavirus. So Italy has a very high smoking rate. There may also be a higher communal nature in Italy. People may be out socially more frequently than they are in other countries. It could be that South Korea and Japan, for example, their people are just far more healthy than the average person is in Italy. It's possible that the governments have been infinitely better, I think probably likely, in Japan and South Korea than they have in Italy. It's possible that Japan and South Korea, which again I think is likely, have much better medical facilities and treatment opportunities than they do in Italy. All of those things. That's that's a great question and epidemiologists will be studying this for decades to come to try to figure out why some countries were able to handle this and other countries were not it's important to note our rate of infection right now in the United States is lower than just about every European country and is far less than almost any Asian country so we are as a country doing much better than the vast majority of the world right now Eddie you do updates first of all who knows you may not have a single sport to update us on by Monday, we don't know what direction things are going. What questions do you have? Well, let me take a little bit of a different turn here and give you an anonymous mailbag question. Let's just say, for example, there was a husband who was very measured in his responses to things, and he was married to a woman who was extremely reactionary. Ah. And there are things going on about how to go about living their lives post uh, the what yeah. happened yesterday. Any, any advice
4: for someone like that?
2: In the event that somebody might be in a marriage like that, just randomly. First of all...
4: I have the same anonymous mailbag. Yeah, mail. I <laughs>
2: have the same anonymous mailbag question too. I think there are a lot of married men, and maybe in other circumstances, the woman is the one who is less panicked. I think there are a lot of couples. I think there are a lot of families. I think there are a lot of friends where everybody knows somebody who automatically is a doomsdayer. Like... Uh, this is going to be the worst thing that has ever happened. We're never going to be able to handle this. This is why I think being on social media is oftentimes not very useful because it automatically runs to, this is going to be awful. This is such a great great question because I think a lot of people are dealing with this right now. What I sat down with my wife and my kids yesterday when the NBA canceled its season, I sat down with all my, uh, my wife and my kids. We've got a 12, a 9, and a 5-year-old all in the house with me. They've already been out of school. I wa- They're all sports fans. I walked them through the fact that the NBA was shutting down. Uh, I walked them through what might happen with the NCAA, with the NHL, with how long they might be out of school. What I did and what I told my wife uh, to do is I said, I want to have uh, plenty of food that the kids will eat in the house in the event that down the line we have to quarantine. And I want that to be like canned goods, I want it to be things that can last for a very long time. And then I said, look, we are all going to be fine. If you are relatively young, if you are not a senior citizen and you are healthy, your chances of having a awful impact from coronavirus are incredibly low. Now, everybody's got elderly parents or elderly grandparents. Things can be different with them. And I think those are the people you need to be thinking about the most here. Uh, but the way that I tried to deal with this is to be hyper-rational and share all the same way that I'm doing with with you guys and share all of the factual data that I am basing my opinions on with my wife and said, hey, go look at this. These are the data points. This is why I believe that we are going to be okay. Uh, are there many different potential outcomes? Yes, but I don't think that automatically believing that the worst is going to happen is in any way helpful. And those are difficult conversations to have. And they're also difficult conversations to have with your kids who may not have the emotional ability to process everything that you are going to try and sit down and tell them. Uh, But I've said this before. I try to teach my kids, uh, treat my kids like adults, even though they're very young, but not hide information from them and just say, okay, here's what dad believes. Here is why dad believes that. Let me walk you through everything that I understand. Maybe get out the globe, explain where this virus came from, the fact that the entire world is likely to deal with it, um, that there isn't really a precedent for this, that dad and grandma and aunt and uncle and everybody else, we frankly don't know the answer to every question, because we haven't been through a situation like this. But again, that you believe that we are going to be fine. And I think citing South Korea and what they have managed to do is good. And what we should be doing is, as a, as a world, learning from the best practices that we see and trying to avoid the worst practices that we see. And right now, I would say best practices is South Korea. Worst practices is Italy. So to the extent that we can model our response on what South Korea is doing as opposed to what Italy is doing, that's the direction we should go. Just like if you are, again, strange sports analogy here, but just like if you are out there and you are looking at two different teams and one of them is running the spread offense and they're scoring a lot of points and they're having a lot of success and the other one is running the wishbone and they're not having a lot of success... I would be more likely if I were a high school football coach to run the spread than I would the wishbone. Italy's out here running the wishbone. It's not going well for them. South Korea is running the spread. We need to figure out what South Korea is doing, study it, and emulate our response in this country as best we can with South Korea as an example. Roberto, question. Anything.
6: Uh, I had the same anonymous mob Bag as Eddie did.
2: <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of couples having these conversations. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people listening to us right now in a car. You may be sitting next to your wife or girlfriend. Your boyfriend might be the one who's panicked. Uh there are, I would say, a lot of times, you know, opposites attract in couples. There tends to be a rational, I'm not going to overreact member of a couple. And then there tends to be a, uh, you know, the, the 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 everything's burning down, the house is on fire. Member of the couple, and that passion combined with that logic oftentimes leads to a successful union, but it also leads to a lot of conversations where you're looking at things from uh, from completely different perspectives.
6: And the other one I was just worried about was my daughter, obviously, because I have a three year old. Yes, it's crazy. I read I read something yesterday, and I showed my wife that kids are pretty much almost they seem immune. to be immune from yeah this. exactly which is which is crazy i don't know maybe it's because kids are always you know when they go to school they're picking their boogers they yep. get germs everywhere and it's like their defense mechanisms maybe are just stronger than everybody else's or, or something that's it's one crazy. of the
2: things they're trying to study to figure out is there something in the chemistry of kids that is making them respond to the coronavirus much better and again that's a fact that i think is important that you should be sharing with your kids Zero kids under the age of 10 in the entire world have died of the coronavirus. Zero in the entire world. And really, anybody under the age of 20, if they are dying, has an underlying, it appears, medical condition such that this is occurring. So... Again, I think it would be infinitely scarier. I know it would be to me, because I've got like you, you've got a three year old, I got a twelve, a nine, and a five year old. Yeah. If the death rate were high for children as opposed to the elderly, I think a lot of people would be panicked. That's not because I want elderly people to die. It's just that that's the natural order of things.
3: Exactly. When
2: you become old, you are more likely to die. That's the way, you know, the world has existed throughout time. Uh, and so the fact that the elderly bear the brunt of these diseases is, uh, is, is oftentimes the case. But I can't remember ever having a, uh, a virus like this where kids are completely immune. Like not, I believe the number is 92 people in the United States, kids, died of the flu this year. Just the, just the United States, 92 kids, I think, was the most recent CDC number that I saw. Not one single kid in the entire world has died of the coronavirus so far. All right, we, I wanted to bring in the crew and get all of their opinions. Uh, we've got doctors on the line who want to weigh in. We have the open forum here. Everybody in the entire United States who is listening to us, I know the phone lines are for the most part packed, but we're going to try to run through as many of these as we can and what I'm basically calling an outkick open town hall forum on the coronavirus as it intersects with sports.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: All right, going into the phone lines. What you got for me, Dub?
4: We got Peter in Dallas.
1: Peter, what you got? Hey, everybody. Hey, um, just four quick points um, as from both a medical and then public health standpoint. Totally agree with you. If you look at the stats, number one, one would say this is not really as virulent as it could be, but I think what they had said is very clear there could be more people who are infected because we just don't have the testing capacity like the other countries. Two, we have a situation in which you're dealing with a virus. You can't, virus is a virus, it's in the thing versus human emotion, human intelligence, educating. So having travel bans have been shown not to work, but you know, the hysteria, people are gonna now start to flood health systems. And now the people who are really, really sick cannot use the health systems. Three, you have a huge number of people who are caregivers who are taking care of elderly, like you mentioned, elderly are the most uh, vulnerable. They need to have that testing because if they are sick, they got to be quarantined. And unfortunately, again, it goes back, we don't have the testing capacity. And three, four, we have a, a large number of people who cannot go back to work for two weeks. And if I say, look, you don't need to have the test. I think you may have it. You're doing well. Stay home. But the employers are going to say, well, I'm not going to give you two weeks unless I absolutely crystal clear know you have the coronavirus or not. So those are the things that are really not bringing up to you know up to the surface when we talk about the coronavirus.
2: Thanks for the call. If you're an employer, I think this is one of the times when you need to just give people a break. If you think that you are sick, you shouldn't go to work or school or anywhere else. Uh, because, again... A lot of people who have the coronavirus do not manifest as being really, really sick. Rudy Gobert, I believe, was going to play until he found out he tested positive for the coronavirus. 92% of the people in New York State who have tested positive for the coronavirus are not requiring significant medical care. Many of them don't even know that they're sick. They're just being tested because they've come into contact with somebody else. That's bittersweet, right? Right. The positive is that means the vast majority of people who get the coronavirus are going to be fine. The negative is that means there are a lot of people out there walking around who don't even know they're sick that are spreading the virus. Who's up
4: next, Dub? We got Jim in Texas. Jim, what you got?
2: Hey, Clay. I got a couple
6: perspectives. I'm a baseball coach. I am traveling to work right now, preparing to go to a tournament. We've got two games today. The UIL is our governing body in Texas. They've got the state basketball tournament started yesterday, goes through Thursday, or excuse me, goes through Saturday, and I think they're going to pull the plug on all high school sports after Saturday. I just I feel they're going to do it. and It sucks, but I think they're going to have to. I've also got my daughter who's a college student. She's coming home today. She doesn't have classes on Friday. They've already sent out a text to all the students that they may get a two-week spring break. The teachers are going to come back after one week and they may go to all online classes to finish out the semester, which for my daughter, she's got to sit in front of a professor. She's got to have a certain GPA, so that's kind of scary. And TCU and UT Tyler have already gone to all online classes, so it's a scary deal, and I mean, it's just going to suck. I got, I mean, I could go in today, and my boss may call me and said UIL said no traveling, but I think they'll wait till after the state basketball tournament.
2: Thanks for Include- the call. Uh, yeah, lots of colleges and universities are going online only and sending all their kids home. Uh, and I think that's going to become commonplace. A lot of them are saying we're basically going to not come back for the whole semester. I'm a Vanderbilt alum. I believe Vanderbilt just basically said that, and uh, there are a lot of lower-level schools. My kids have been out of school for this entire week going back to Friday uh, outside of Nashville, and uh, they go to public school, and uh, I think that there are going to be a lot more parents who have to deal with this going forward. Dub, keep firing them away.
4: All right, we got Jill in Kentucky. Hey
6: Clay, how's it going?
2: Oh, thanks for call.
6: I am dead set that I want to go on a cruise. We're we're scheduled to go on the fifth of April, but now the travel ban is like freaking me out now.
2: How, who are you going on the cruise with? Do you have kids, the husband? I mean, what's what's your travel group?
6: Husband and two kids.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right. So again, I want to keep reinforcing: no kids under the age of ten have died from the coronavirus worldwide. I personally would not go on a cruise. Thanks for the call, by the way. I personally would not go on a cruise right now. I'm not a big cruise guy. We went on a Disney cruise with the family. We all five stayed in the same room. I don't like being on boats anyway. I don't like being constrained. I don't like not being able to go anywhere. Uh, And the fear is that if you are on one of these cruise ships that has a, uh, a passenger who tests positive, then you might find yourself quarantined with your kids in some way associated with the cruise ship uh i know that some people are willing to take that risk i personally wouldn't be willing to take that risk right now i certainly wouldn't if i were elderly um i i would postpone the cruise and think about going in uh in in the summer or in the fall you can always postpone things uh if uh, if you're young like i got a question bunch of college kids they were like hey we got a cruise set up we're going on spring break it's awesome if you're young and your schedule is somewhat flexible, then I think you can take that risk. I don't think the Caribbean has a major number of uh, of coronavirus cases, but that's not really your concern. It's that somebody's going to get on your cruise ship, test positive, and then you're going to end up quarantined like happened in Asia and like has happened with the uh, with the cruise ship that docked in Oakland recently. Keep going, Dub.
4: Uh, we got Frank in California.
2: Frank, what you got for me?
4: Hey, Clay, I love the show, man. My wife's a neuro-IC
1: nurse at UCI, um, and like you, um, I have two kids, a 5 and 11 year old, We have some difficult conversations yesterday before bed. Um, I agree there's no panic, they just need a lot of non-perishable foods. But a couple concerns I have, uh, talking with my wife, um, one of them is, can you get the virus more than once? Yeah. The second one is, uh, after listening to President Trump talk, and having to walk back this train thought about, hey, keep working, etc." cetera. Um, I really feel like we didn't really take the proper caution seriously as a nation, and we could be going down the same uh, dilemma as Italy possibly. All right. All well, I'll,
2: Thanks for the call. Uh, I will respond to that. we got to take a break. I'll respond to that to start off the next segment.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: So, uh, Doc, you ever seen anything like this?
7: (laughs) No, I have not.
2: So, what do you, so let's start with uh, the Rudy Gobert situation, um, which really, I think, kind of precipitated and took this to a different level. Uh, Rudy Gobert has tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, What would you say uh, the NBA's decision represents, and what would you say going forward? Have you ever seen anything like this?
7: No, and, and unfortunately, I was talking uh, on a, another radio show uh, yesterday, and they were asking about March Madness and you know fans and what have you, and I said, yeah, that they may do something about fans, but the most intriguing thing is what if a player got COVID-19? You know yeah. what would happen? And uh, unfortunately, that happened with Rudy Gobert, and uh, you know, I think the NBA took some very aggressive steps to uh, stop the spread. I think. You know, fans is one issue, but players certainly have close contact, right? I mean, when they're playing in a game and you talk about transmission through particles, be it sweat or, you know, the heavy breathing, et cetera. I mean, yeah. So uh, to, to test all the players and potentially quarantine them and then, uh, you know, to shut down the league, I, you know, I think it scared people more. When they said indefinitely, as yes. opposed to two weeks, and we'll reassess, right? But you know, they, they did the right thing. The uh, as
2: a doctor, people want to hear from doctors. I know you're uh, an orthopedist. I mean, you're right. not used to you know epidemiological studies, and a lot of people don't understand that doctors have different specialties and uh, and assorted uh, things that they might know well and not know well. And same thing happens for lawyers, by the way. When I put my lawyer hat on, I may know, uh, let's say, the CBA well with the NFL and know nothing about wills and trust, right? So if you ask me, hey, uh, in the state of Idaho – I need to draft a will. What do I need to know? I'm being like, I don't have any clue. You know, I haven't. I can give you generalities, but I don't know specifics. So uh, I want to put that out there before I ask. You know, you even though you're a right. doctor, this is not your expertise as a doctor. Um, how nervous are you about the coronavirus? Uh,
7: not nearly as nervous as the public seems to be.
2: Yeah. Why is that? Well,
7: look, I do think. The reaction and things that pe- pe- people are doing are correct to try and stay on top of this, to try and prevent an Italy situation, because you certainly don't want it to get worse, et cetera. Uh, I think a lot of it is still fear of the unknown. and uh, But if you really look at this, everyone says coronavirus, coronavirus, etc., If you ask the average man, people would say coronavirus is a brand new virus and it's something that's horrible. There's no question COVID-19 is new, but coronaviruses have been around for quite a while. I mean, SARS, MERS, et cetera, they were all different forms of coronavirus, and there are lots of different forms of coronavirus out there. Yes, it's something to be very concerned about. But this past year, I think there was a record number worldwide of 19 million cases of influenza, And to date, maybe I'm wrong on the numbers, less than 150,000 cases of COVID-19. That's not to poo-poo it. I'm just saying authorities need to take the right steps, but I don't believe the public needs to panic would you travel? I'm traveling right now. Where are you going? Uh, I'm actually, uh, in, uh, Utah. Uh,
2: so you, uh, the other thing that I've been trying to hammer home is I know you have young children as well. The positive here, if you want to take a positive away from this particular viral outbreak is children, especially young children seem to either be totally unimpacted, immune, or not in any way in danger from this virus. In fact, no child worldwide under the age of ten has died of it, which is fairly extraordinary from a medical perspective.
7: Yeah, and 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 that's consistent with most uh, flu things. Look, no question, it makes me feel better with kids seven, seven, and two that that's the case. And heck, if it weren't the case, maybe I would reconsider as a parent, you know, traveling and 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 so forth. You know, you're talking about uh, close congregation with people and uh, flights aren't full right now. So it's actually not exactly close, uh, you know, uh, contact with people. You know, social distancing, as they talk about, doesn't mean be a hermit, right? I mean, uh, uh, here, look, it's good to take all the steps. And my worry is that, I don't know if people realize this. Okay, so I live in San Diego. If you had one bus accidents, and 30 people were significantly injured. The entire county medical system would be paralyzed. Emergency rooms, doctors, nurses, staff, why? Like, each major trauma hospital has one, maybe two trauma rooms. They could, you know, jerry-rig some extras and other things. Usually, there's, you know, only one or two teams of people on call or available for emergencies in the middle of the night, yes, they could call in more people, et cetera. but you get how easy it is for the medical system to be overwhelmed and Right now, this crisis is already overwhelming the medical system with people going to e r s for you know worried about covid nineteen cetera it doesn 't take that much to overstress the system. I think that part is real and uh all I would caution people is that the good news is assuming that this coronavirus acts like others and other viruses, et cetera, it usually burns itself out and it's usually seasonal. So in the U S we're lucky that we're on the tail end and we've seen it in some other countries. So practice some safe habits with the hand washing and, and, and not touching your face, et cetera. And let's not panic, and let's get through the next two weeks and see what happens. Um, I think there are some schools, uh, my daughter's in, included now in college, that uh, you know they're just gonna extend spring break and then reassess. They're going to uh, maybe go online for a week and then, and then reassess. And and I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad strategy. And it's, it's, sometimes it's a strategy out of a, abundance of uh, of uh, caution. Look, you you cited some great numbers about kids and so forth, but still, I would not be surprised if my seven-year-old, they're in first grade, that their schools uh, put a temporary hiatus on, on coming to school.
2: My kids are out why? of school right now.
7: Right, and, and why? Just out of an abundance of caution. And uh, so uh, you come back in two weeks and summer gets pushed a little bit. I mean, not that big of a deal uh, because what if it's not, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be that superintendent, but those are precautionary steps. That's not to tell people to panic. I think that's sort of my uh, biggest thing.
2: Let me ask you this about, and I'm and I'm fascinated by it in general you mentioned that as the temperature warms up, most viruses tend to not spread as well. What causes that? Um, Why do viruses, as we move into the summer, most people out there listening kind of intuitively know it, well, you usually don't get the flu in the summer. There's not usually a big outbreak of the flu in the summer. Why do viruses not transmit as much in the summer?
7: Well, there are probably lots of technical reasons, and given that you know, we don't even know what exactly COVID-19 is and since it's relatively new. Hard for me to say, but if you just in general, I mean, when you walk around in the summertime, you don't, I mean, if you go through any public place, not now, but I mean, at any point in the winter, you see people with tissue or occasional cough or a sneeze and so forth. But in the summer, for the most part, you don't That So there definitely is a seasonality to it. in in flu and sports has been a big deal. We've talked before, Clay, about the quote, we'd love to make the flu vaccines mandatory for NFL teams, right? I mean, we offer it, but it's up to the player, but we end up trying to convince players sometimes to to take it because influenza still is a uh, big deal out there. So, uh, you know, uh, this is just a new form of it. And uh, it's Ill timed uh, right now f- uh, for basketball in the NC2A tournament. Um, but uh, hopefully, we'll be through most of it in just a couple of weeks. Dr. Chow, I appreciate
2: the time, my man. Uh, we'll talk to you next week and we'll see how this thing is going. Maybe we'll even talk to you again on Monday after the weekend because I know a lot of people are going to think about uh, the way things are going a lot over the weekend. Good stuff. Thank you. All right. Thanks.
1: I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the
2: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.